0: That's a clown question, bro. Hi, Mr. Bagnier. So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the
1: type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. If you
0: don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball, uh, kind of whatever. Although it's kind of a staple now, it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. We've been pretty consistent with that. We have. So uh, it's not really kind of whenever. Anymore. I can't wait to.
1: No, I can't wait for us to not be ready for the Wednesday show now.
0: Uh yeah. The Wednesday yeah.
1: recorded show that uploads on Thursday.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we don't really have much preparation, we just need to come up with like one struggling player, one good player. I but can't, yeah, I can't wait for that. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. More fun for us. So. Yeah, over to my right, actual right, is Daniel Curran, the voice you just heard. How you doing, Daniel?
1: Chris, I'm doing good. There's 30 days till opening day. Spring training games have started. I'm already over it. I, I'm going <laughs> to be honest. I I don't, I mean, I, there's reason to and to not pay attention to spring training games. I think it's just for identifying potential breakout players. Like, if, if an already established player has a tough spring training, I don't think it's fair to be like, oh, hot take, this is the... This is the regression of, of Charlie Blackman here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, It's he's only hitting 228. There we go. Yeah, it is. Uh, like, and especially when you watch a player have a good performance, it's so hard not to be like, well, look out for this guy. Yeah. Because like spring train, spring training, I can discount a bad performance, but when it's a good performance, it I is. really want to jump up on. Whatever band, and I think and,
1: and it is it is actually fair to do that. Like I don't think you're outlandish if you're if you're like oh so and so from the Kansas City Royals, look out for him. He's got yeah. a two two five ERA in sixteen innings pitched. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's hard not to do that, but it's uh, somewhat in, inappropriate to do that. But yeah, if a guy's struggling, if like a like, kind of remember, established guy is struggling,
1: yeah, or well, even even a new guy. Like I remember Shohei Otani's first spring training, he was hitting like a buck 50 with, like, a nine ERA. Everyone was like, oh, it was all a sham. Like, we <laughs> hyped up this guy the whole offseason. He was the next Babe Ruth. It's like, guys, shut up.
0: <laughs> yeah. And he was, like, 23 at the time, too. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, he
1: was, this was his first time facing Major League competition. He didn't even face them in the minors.
0: Yeah, it wasn't like it was, you know, you Darvish coming up at, like, 26 or, or yeah. whatever whatever age he was when he came to Major League Baseball. This guy was, like, still... Like, you know, what a rookie would be. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. But, yeah. Spring training. Nothing really crazy about it. I mean, like, I sort of... I pay a little bit of attention when, like, the starts get to get to be a little longer. Like, yeah. when a guy's throwing four or five innings, but... Hey, I no, It's,
1: like, people really grasp at straws, which I get. You know, you're supposed to be as analytical as possible, and I respect it. But, you know, it is... In 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 early July, we're not seeing like we're not saying like oh this guy's cutter was looking a little yeah. little better mm-hmm. today. Like, yeah. this guy he this guy was elevating his fastball a little more mm-hmm. than he usually does. Like we're not you usually not saying that in like August unless it's a guy that's like you know a rookie or something like that. Like, yeah, we're not you know we're not looking at like Justin Verlander today mm-hmm. and being like you know he elevated his fastball a lot today. He wasn't doing that back in two thousand six. <laughs> so I'm yeah. really interested to see
0: what that looks like now. It's like watch out, Chaz Row's slider. I think is only moving twelve point nine inches yeah. instead of thirteen point three. Ah, I mean, did <laughs> that surgery really yikes. get to him? Yikes! Yeah, this is. I think we're witnessing the disintegration of Chaz Rowe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of news to get to. So we decided to tackle two divisions. Actually, there's one more thing I would like to say. Yes, please. Chris, you all, you and I always
1: like mocked the people last year who were like oh 2020 how 2020 is this like when the nationals yankees game got rained out
0: that's where it started (laughs) uh
1: i would just like to say if if news comes out that like the state of florida is allowing like 20 percent capacity at rays and marlins games if you're one of those people that's saying so it's just like normal capacity you're a horrible person you're not funny (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't. I'm not going to laugh at that joke the 97th time that I hear it, and it's such an easy joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's not difficult to come up with that one.
0: Yeah, I've heard my dad say that joke about six times already. Yeah, no. like, I would just like to
1: address that.
0: Yeah, it it is bad because also those jokes those jokes were made at you know when there was no when there were no fans in the stands yeah, too. Yeah, so exactly. it's already unoriginal. Like
1: in March, people were like. Oh, the Rays are going to have an advantage this year because they're not going to be playing in front of fans just like they always have. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, like that was sort of a factor, but I I only like when I was considering the Rays as a as a contender. That was like the
1: seventh most important thing yeah.
0: that you brought up
1: in that discussion.
0: Yeah, I was I was like, "Well, they don't have to go, you know, against the uh, road crowds and like yeah. the home, like, their home crowd is you, you know, it's
1: yeah, like, if, like, especially if they're playing the Yankees all the time, like, that is, that mm-hmm. is where the crowd is a factor more than anywhere else.
0: Yeah, yeah, because they were just at a disadvantage because their, their home crowds weren't as effective as the other team's home crowds. Exactly. So it would make sense. Okay, so
1: in conclusion, if you're going to, like, those jokes take zero creativity. Yeah. Like, I don't, even, even if it was in March, it still takes zero creativity. So if you're one of those people, I just want to know, I just want you to know you're not funny and you're not creative at all.
0: Yeah, I was I was glad you said that because, I've I've been growing sick of that as well. Yeah. My my uh, parents were actually at Hammond Stadium for Twins Red Sox yesterday. Oh wow! And uh, or uh, this would be Sunday, and my dad showed a picture and he said, you know, pretty normal capacity for a Twins uh, for a Twins spring training game. So of course. Of course it's there. That's a
1: back to back division winner.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's on, just man. not not true. But I don't know. I mean spring training games aren't that well attended, but but still, I mean, let's let's Cut. let's try to Cut. let's try to dig yeah. deeper here. No. Um but anyway. Yeah, that's all the the ongoing baseball stuff happening yes. right now. There's <laughs> not much. Not much. Yeah, this is honestly like off-season talk this is where it's probably the most dead because there's no one's really signing the only thing you can bank jackie on jackie bradley is,
1: jr is still out there jake odorizzi is still out there which is very weird like i really don't hope i really don't want to have another craig kimbrill dallas keichel situation but it really f- feels like that's where
0: this is leading to um yeah pos- but um because then, then they're going to sign in june well Neither of them got qualifying offers. Did That's they? a great point. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, the... W- yeah the, the, Odorizzi probably
1: won't have the draft pick attached to him.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think...
1: Bradley maybe, but I
0: don't I think f- so. I forget if Bradley got the qualifying offer. Because that, you know, if he was offered $19 million, basically, I feel like he probably would have taken that.
1: I don't think he had it offered to him.
0: Yeah, so, you know, if, yeah, if they were two bigger guys, it would be a, it would be a big problem. Um, but, I don't know, in the coming weeks, it might happen, but, who knows, really. Um, Exactly. And, yeah, like, the only news you can really bank on at this point is extensions, and there were no extensions of the past week.
1: Actually, I will say, Francisco Lindor, uh, the Mets just announced that they will honor his, his, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to say this, his, um... Request to request. not to not have an extension talk after opening day. So, if if Francisco Lindor doesn't ex- sign an extension with the Mets before opening day, he will become a free agent, which I understand. Yeah, a lot of people don't want to do that.
0: Yeah, especially a a guy at, at this point. You know, he's gone through the five years of control. He's gone through three arbitration years now.
1: He's gone through. You know, his own GM telling his fan base to enjoy him. Yeah. Like he's he has a special case of going through a lot of, of you know player and front office discrepancy. Yeah, it would be nice on a public level.
0: Yeah, I honestly could see him becoming a free agent and still signing with the Mets. Yeah. Like, but just dipping his toe in the water, seeing what's out there. Uh, I can totally understand that. But yeah, um, yeah, that's that's some news, and I guess. Hunter Dozier signed a four year twenty five million dollar extension. Yeah, no, I mean that's, that's a good that's a good move for the Royals. They're a team that I'll get into this later, but they actually are a very intriguing
1: team to me. Mm-hmm. So I am very curious to see what they will end up doing.
0: Yeah, because they're pretty good at getting guys pretty early. Like they got And they're good what, at
1: and they're good at sorry to interrupt, but they're good at keeping guys around.
0: Like yeah, you
1: look at the twenty fifteen team, none of those guys were particularly in their younger years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got, you know, Whit Merrifield for a somewhat cheap deal. Uh, they got, you know, they're keeping Hunter Dozier around. I think the next for, stop
1: is, the next step is Jorge Soler.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: keep that guy around.
0: And then, because they have a pretty good assortment of position players, you know, pitching-wise. You have, you know, Brady Singer coming up, or who's already had a decent rookie year. But, yeah, you need guys um, who are able to pitch. But, yeah, they have a decent assortment of position players. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. will mm-hmm. probably be coming up in the next couple years. Mondesi as well. But, yeah, I mean, we'll get into that plenty as we are previewing the both the AL West and the AL Central today. We're starting with the AL West going with the AL Central second. Um, but, yeah, anything more on the goings-on of baseball today? Not we get...
1: particularly, no.
0: So, We'll get into our AL West preview, team by team, starting off with uh, last year's cellar dwellers of not only the American League West but the American League in general. They're coming off a 22 and 38 season, and they lost Lance Lynn. They lost also Shin Su Chu, Elvis Andrews, and uh, you know a great great catcher, Jeff Mathis, and they added Dane Dunning, Chris Davis. Uh, k-h-r-i-s davis and david Dahl, they added him as well um what player are you would you highlight from the rangers
1: you mentioned they lost a great catcher in jeff mathis yeah I'm curious to see if his replacement sam huff will be able to make up for that loss sam huff is the number one prospect in that system and in just 10 games last year he slashed 355, 394, 742 with an 1136 OPS. He hit three home runs and had four RBIs. It's a very small sample size, but this is not a very... I don't think this team has a very positive outlook going into the season, but Sam Huff, I think, is a guy that can be a bright spot and really establish himself as a part of the hopeful future of the Texas Rangers. You know, Chris Young came in as the GM this offseason. I think he actually did a pretty nice job of, you know, taking some small steps towards... Uh The beginning of this rebuild essentially Sam Huff is a guy who I feel like could become sort of a staple to the team going forward and I think he could establish that this year
0: yeah a guy um I'm sort of highlighting it's hard to pick a guy and go really analytical with because it's it's kind of empty currently they're going through a real rebuilding process Mm -hmm. uh I'm going with a guy that could be a part of the rebuild and the guy who they acquired in the landsland trade dane dunning uh heading into his age 26 season uh last year last year in his age 25 season had a 397 era 399 FIP, and 113 era plus in 34 innings so you know that's a guy who can develop into a solid number two number one pitcher um he was able to strike out more than one batter per inning last year so you have that um, he's He seems to be pretty pretty good and you know a decent guy to have currently probably at the top of the rotation um, you know not someone you would want to have at the top of. The I mean rotation. I don't know I
1: don't think he starts on opening day yeah, but, but I could see him at the top of the rotation. He
0: will probably have the best season out of that's valid out of everyone in, uh, in Texas. So now we get into the questions about the Rangers.
1: I guess I'll go first again has a better chance of breaking out this season between Nick Solak and Anderson Tejada? They are both going into their age 23 season or younger. They made their debuts, I believe, last year. Then Nick Solak may have debuted in 2018. But um, you know what I think you did? I think Solak was traded for um, Pete Fairbanks. But regardless, which one of them two do you think is a better chance of breaking out? Uh, what positions do they play? Nick Solak is a... I think they're both middle infielders. Um, well... I've heard of Nick
0: Solak, so I'm going to go with Nick Solak.
1: <laughs> Anderson Tejada had a pretty good start to last season. He cooled down a little bit, but he, he, they, he they had around like a 90-something uh, OPS plus, both of them.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Nick Solak. I mean, I don't know. It, it's the Rangers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my question is, uh, I guess, very negative. Uh, will the Rangers repeat as the worst team in the American League this year?
1: Hmm. Well, they'd be competing with the Orioles and the Tigers, and Um, maybe the Royals. Maybe the Royals. I don't think anyone in the division.
0: Um, Not really. Yeah, I'll I'll say that. Yep. I think I'll say that. I would I would probably agree with that. Yeah. They just yeah they traded their best player currently.
1: (laughs) They have one valuable trade asset left, and he's
0: probably going to be gone by July. Right, yeah, they're they're waiting for him to go on a hot streak and then probably
1: they're waiting for him to hit go slash 209 with an 838 OPS. Yeah,
0: nice, yeah, have you know at the at the trade deadline I'll probably have you know 29 home runs, 27 singles. Yep. Yeah, and uh, 180 strikeouts. It'll be great. Shout out to Joey Gallo. So now we get into the. Los Angeles Angels, formerly the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, formerly the California
1: uh, Angels, formerly uh. the Anaheim Angels.
0: Yeah, I think they won. Uh, I think they won the World Series as the Anaheim they Angels. They did. They did. Yeah, and they are coming off a twenty six and thirty four season. They lost Andrelton Simmons and Julio Tehran. Uh, Tehran they-
1: was not a factor for them last <laughs> season. Get out of here with that.
0: Well. He not had a, a ten ERA. Not a factor for them last year, but historically, he's been a pretty good pitcher. I historically,
1: sure, but I mean, yeah. it's, let's not act like we're supposed to factor in this team as some <laughs> someone who needs to, you know, uh, compensate for losing Julio Tehran.
0: Yeah, I, I guess that that is a good point, but I he, he probably still would have been nice to have. I wouldn't. I feel like he'll be better this year, but they added Rysell Iglesias. Jose Iglesias, Alex Cobb, and Jose Quintana, uh, who I don't know you might produce. So, what player do you have to uh, talk about with the Angels? This is another team. This is the second straight
1: team that has a new GM this year. I really like the moves that Perry Manassian made. You know, I know that I know that starting pitching is still the number one priority, and they didn't get an ace type of pitcher, which is. Not, obviously not what they wanted. They're going to need to extend Dylan Bundy, hopefully. Yeah. But the guy that I'm going to be looking at is a relief pitcher who went very under the radar last season. That is Mike Mayers. Yeah. Many people remember him for having the worst uh, Major League debut of all time, but he had interesting reverse splits last season as a right-handed pitcher. Left-handed hitters went 6-for-60 six against him. Huh. Obviously, that is a 100 batting average against and. His OBP against was 143. That led the majors. And he also overall had a 210 ERA. Mike Mayers is a guy that I think is going to, is certainly a guy to watch, especially when he faces left handers, because they are just fla- they just flailed against him virtually all of last year, except for I think Edwin Rios hit a home run against him. That was it.
0: Yeah. I noticed Mayers yeah, had spectacular numbers last year. I think very good strikeout numbers as well. Yeah, he was fantastic. Uh, One of the guys uh, I'm focusing on is uh, one of the Iglesiases that was acquired in the offseason. Talking about Jose Iglesias. Uh, He had a good 39-game span, I would call it. Not really a season. He had a good month and a half. He had a good month and a half last year. uh, With the bat, you know, he's known for his defense. But with the bat, in 2020, he finished in the 90th percentile in expected WOBA. And by the way, expected WOBA. Woba's the best like parallel I can use in terms of expected stats with like OPS. So it's pretty much the whole package. Uh, so in terms of be of his expected stats with the whole package, ninetieth percentile. And just for the record, like
1: expected stats are very much forecasting tools. Like I don't yeah. I don't use that as like I think Jose Iglesias is better than X because his X WOBA is better than X. It's like mm-hmm. This is a guy that could, you know, produce more on the same level because of, of you know, a few batted balls that went a different way.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'm talking... Especially,
1: especially if it's Savant stats because, like, that is, you know, you can't really control the batted balls you have. Like, that's not really something you can work on or
0: teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I'm using expected well because I think uh, Iglesias actually had better stats than his actual expected stats were um meaning that like someone would say oh he probably got he probably got lucky last year in his 39 game span even though like expected wise he was still in the 90th percentile and you know that's valid in the 100th percentile of expected batting average as well so had you know i don't think he qualified but he was in the 100th percentile for expected batting average yeah um yeah, his actual batting average was 373 and his expected was 358. So it's right on par. So he had a an extremely good And obviously like
1: a 373 is not sustainable through 162. Yeah. And uh but I mean, I think that could translate to like a 317, 320. Yeah. And his,
0: you know, his expected batting average of 358 is also not sustainable through mm-hmm. 162, but like a guy who has He'll probably, you know, at his best, have average offense. And then when you add in his defense, in 2019, finished tied for 16th and out above average among all fielders. So he's one of those guys where you kind of get the whole package. You know, he's not necessarily a great uh, batter, but he's a decent batter and a great fielder. So, you know, a guy that can kind of just sneak up on you in terms of his abilities. So now we get into... Questions for the Angels. I couldn't go uh, the
1: the Angels segment without asking about one of the media's favorite people. Will Shohei Otani have a higher ERA plus or OPS plus? ERA plus slash or OPS. Slash weighted
0: runs graded plus. Um, that's a good question. Uh, well, <laughs> hypothetically, he could throw one shutout inning and get injured again, <laughs> except... I, I'm going to say OPS plus because, you know, that's consistent with what he's done. It's a safer bet. Yeah, it's a safer bet, although I do root for him doing well in both because uh, that would just be pretty cool to see as a baseball fan. Uh, my question, so Andrew Heaney struck out 70 batters last year and Dylan Bundy struck out 72. Ah. Who will have the most in 2021? I think Heaney is more up and
1: coming. He's younger. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a lefty. And I feel like he's been on the cusp of, of breakout for the last couple of seasons. Bundy, I feel like... I mean, I still think Bundy is going to have a very valuable season for the Angels, but I, I don't think he's going to be able to top 2020 where he got mm-hmm. Weirs getting Cy Young votes. So I'm going to say Andrew Heaney for that question.
0: There we go. By the way, also shout-out to Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon. Oh, yeah. They're good. I want to yeah, talk about Anthony Rendon for a second because uh, I was looking on... Instagram and MLB put out this thing where it was like the best ranked uh, players players, by position players by position and everyone was complaining like there were a lot of people complaining that Rendon wasn't the best third baseman? No was the third best. Who was who they put? They put Rendon at third base Yeah, and people were wondering like people were thinking saying like Arenado. Oh no 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 my god my god if you want if you want to know how good Anthony Rendon is, I looked it up. Uh, there are there is one player who has more F4 than him uh, since 2019, that player is Mike Trout. Uh, so he's he's second in F4 since t- the beginning of 2019, not among yeah. third basemen, but And a, 2019
1: on, wasn't even some breakout season. Like he was great in 2018 and 2017 yeah. too.
0: Yeah. And like uh, yeah, he leads among all third basemen in F4 since 2016 as well. Um, sorry, Nico Fasella, guest of the program, uh, talking to me about fantasy baseball. He just texted me and said, <laughs> uh, 20 bucks. Um, all right, I'm gonna text, I'll I'll. I'll get to you later. Sorry, sorry, Nico. He'll be, he'll be, uh, he'll be a guest on episode so, 100, if you, uh, so if you're wondering. He's been a guest he, on yeah,
1: episode 51?
0: Yeah, episode 51 and episode 100. If only... If only we did that one earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get to you later. Uh, All right. Sorry. All right. So that was a shout out to Nico. Um, Yeah, I kind of I've never done fantasy baseball before, as as shocking as that may be. Interesting. I've Um,
1: won I think three championships.
0: That's that's very nice. I'm probably not going to do that well. Or. I don't know. I don't know how, how well I'll do. It's this. you have
1: to take a much different approach to, than what you would. Yeah, my do my problem using is analytics. My pro- like my problem, home run, like runs scored in RBI matter. Yeah. There's there's no like ex-WOBA
0: category. Yeah. My problem is I'm gonna draft guys. That's what I would, always do. I'm gonna draft guys who uh, don't strike out a lot. of I'll have Ryu and Hendricks as my as my yeah. two as my two pitchers getting like five strikeouts a game. Yeah. My dad always <laughs>
1: says I, I I would draft the best team in three years. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, it, like I'll like this. The team that I draft this year is gonna win the the fantasy baseball championship in twenty twenty three for sure.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> like I'll draft Andrew Vaughn in like the seventeenth round. Yeah. Just see. Just seeing what happens. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, the Anthony Rendon. Uh. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. He's leads all third basemen in F four since twenty sixteen. He's been the second best player in terms of F four since the beginning of twenty nineteen. So I like it's crazy that he signed a two hundred forty five million dollar deal and he's still this underrated.
1: Yeah, it's nuts.
0: It's yeah, it's pretty. He's a top
1: five player in baseball. Cause I, was, I would argue.
0: Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say could be number four. Yeah. Uh, could very well be number four. Um, but yeah, like I thought, you know, after he signed the big deal, he would not be considered like the most underrated player in baseball anymore. There's still a case to be made that he's he might be the most underrated player. In baseball, it still. It really could be. Yeah, it's ridiculous, you know? And Arenado used to be considered underrated. Now it might be going the other direction. Oh, it's, no,
1: it's 100% in the, over, yeah. in the other direction.
0: I mean, yeah. he
1: gets. I mean, we'll, we'll be able to see for sure this mm-hmm. year now that he's out of Coors Field.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's Instagram commenters, too. They were they couldn't stop referencing... Yeah,
1: Instagram. We all know that Instagram commenters would make the best GMs.
0: Yeah, because, you know, they recognize that Arenado's home runs and RBI were not inflated, uh, being you know in the ballpark he was in. Yeah, yeah they they were referencing home runs and RBI, which mm-hmm. I, I could not have I could not be having that. But anyway, that was my. Uh, I'm glad, I, had to, I'm glad I had to get the, into that. I had to get that off my chest because I, I was getting I was getting triggered at the Instagram comments of the MLB Instagram page. But anyway, the Seattle Mariners they're coming off the rotaries. For, the uh yeah the rotaries the the pilots they're coming off a 27 and 33 season uh did not really lose anyone notable and they added james paxton so what player are you looking at in terms of these seattle mariners you mentioned a lefty starting
1: pitcher that they added they have a lot of lefty starting pitchers but this guy has already been very good for them and i think could be even better uh, with James Paxton back to give him more advice, and that is Marco Gonzalez. Yeah. Marco Gonzalez had a— This is a, th- a
0: back-to-back uh, guy. I think you had him as your guy to highlight last year. I probably did. Yeah. I,
1: I didn't even remember that. Um, yeah, that sounds about right, and I probably talked about his walk, his walks per nine as well. Yeah. Below uh,
0: one per nine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is
1: unheard of. Uh, he is the best pitcher in the league with walk prevention. He led the American League in walks per nine with 0.90. The next best was 1.21. Yeah. And he had a 310 ERA last year.
0: I'm going to check if I, if I... He walked seven batters last year. <laughs> <laughs> he I'm going seven. to
1: check to see if I if I highlighted him last year because it sounds about right.
0: Imagine telling someone at this point last year a guy was going to walk seven guys in a qualifying season. <laughs> that would be insane. Oh,
1: no, I did Tom Murphy.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, there was a. Yeah, that one flopped in my face. I think you asked a question about Marco Gonzalez. That my, sounds about right. My bad. Over
1: under eight walks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll take the over on that. <laughs> <laughs> He'll run into some some tough calls. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know. He's a younger guy. He's not going to get the same amount of calls as like Jacob DeGrom would. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's a guy to watch. Yeah. He's a. He's one of those guys. You know. Low amount of strikeouts, but also low amount of walks. Um, he's
1: like the left-handed Furry Jenkins.
0: Yeah. Um, he's sort of goes in the Ryu category. Ryu Hendricks sort of type guy. Yeah. Can keep him on the radar. I mean, that's your type of guy. Yeah. That's I, I'm a big fan of that guy. I might, I might have to tune into some of his starts. Uh, a guy I'm looking at is a guy who plays all over the field. Dylan Moore. Yeah. So he has played... 151 career games. Uh, he's played 15-plus ga- such games at third base, shortstop, left field, and right field. So he's a guy you can really put anywhere. If you if you have an open spot, Dil- Dylan Moore. Moore. Wasn't Dylan Moore the guy that threw a ground ball to home when literally nobody was home? Uh, he might be. Hold on. <laughs> uh, but I will tell you, in 2020... He hit 255 with an 855 OPS, 139 OPS plus, and 138 yep, he, that was weighted runs created plus <laughs> in 159 plate appearances, and he was in the 74th percentile in expected wOBA. Hang on. Uh, along with that, great on the bases. Dylan Moore, fantastic on the bases. He finished second in the AL in stolen bases in 2020 with 12, and he had seven a 77 percent. Extra base taken percentage. The league average for extra base taken is 43%. He was at 77. Uh, So that's, you know, if a guy hits a single and you're on first and you go to third, that's an extra base taken. So, you know, he was able to run around the bases very well. Uh, So, yeah, let's watch this video. Maybe I'll edit it in. <laughs> so yeah dylan there was no one at home plate i have no idea why oh yeah the catcher I, was coming ca- first catcher went to first because i guess he forgot there was a guy on third
1: to be fair dylan Moore made a perfect throw yeah like I mean, it hit right on home plate and he, they would have had the runner too
0: that's true that's pretty <laughs> it's crazy. not
1: it's not dylan Moore's fault when you no really it's look not at it,
0: but it's still funny you, you need a guy there <laughs> When there's a guy on third, you need a guy at home. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, on to our uh, Mariners questions. Who? This team has two top
1: five prospects in the league. Which one of them, being Jared Kalanick and Julio Rodriguez, will have the better rookie campaign in 2021? Assuming they they both get time this year, which I think they will.
0: um, I think Rodriguez's ETA is, like, 2022, though.
1: I um, still think he. I still think. That, I mean, the Mariners.
0: I'll just say Kalenic because I think. Listen, he gets, the Mariners have a very bad look right now with yeah. how
1: they handle their minor league players. So if there's a reason to compensate for Julio Rodriguez and give him some time, now is the time.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think Kalenic's just the safe pick. Even if Rodriguez um, does get called up, I feel like Kalenic will get called up earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of rate statistics, like I'm not sure, but I think Kolenic will have the. Uh, the better overall year because he's probably going to be caught. He's, you know, Mather yep. said it mid-April. Can't yep. wait to see him. So he could end up playing like 130 games for the Mariners. Uh, my question, uh, Marco Gonzalez. <laughs> so, yeah, now my question is about Mr. Marco Gonzalez, the ace of the Mariners staff. He threw 203 innings pitched in 2019, and he was on a 188 inning pace in 2020. Will he get back to the 200-inning mark in 2021? I think he will. Yeah. I mean, it's a hard thing to do now, but if there's a guy. I mean, like, you know, walk prevention
1: and strikeout, not not high strikeout numbers. Low pitch count. Exactly, low pitch counts. You know, he's getting uh, one pitch outs, two pitch outs on ground balls or fly balls. That means more innings for him on lower pitch counts. That means better chance of 200 innings pitched.
0: Yeah, that is yeah. That's why Maddox was able to throw like two hundred and seventy innings in mm-hmm. a in a season in the nineties, uh, when it wasn't, you know yep. Innings weren't that high, even though they were a little higher, they weren't that high. But yeah. A little Marco Gonzalez love love to see it. So now on to the Astros. They are coming off a twenty nine and thirty one season Although they were one, one win away from winning the pennant. That's so weird to think about. It's pretty, yeah. I mean, how 2020? But uh, <laughs> they lost George Springer and Josh Reddick, and they will also not have Justin Verlander this season, as well as sort of last season. He had one start, he had one inning pitched. Um, oh, he had, no, he had, no, never mind. That was Kluber. Kluber, that was had, Kluber. Kluber yeah. had one inning pitched. I think Verlander had, had like, like six. seven. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you were there. And, yeah, and the uh, Astros added Pedro Baez. And what player are we are we highlighting?
1: Chris, so there are five players in the history of Major League Baseball with a 1050-plus OPS and at least 100 plate appearances. They are Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Lou Gehrig, Barry Bonds, and Jordan Alvarez. All right. Jordan Alvarez is my player to watch for that specific reason. He's going to be returning to the lineup this year. You know, you'd mentioned the Astros didn't really add a lot this offseason, kind of just Pedro Baez. Their number one acquisition or their number one add from last season is going to come from within the organization. Right. Jordan Alvarez wasn't really there last season. He was hurt. He put up a monster offensive season in 2019. And when he was there in 2020, he was still hitting very well. I think he had a 150-something OPS+. Uh, plus. That alone is going to compensate on the offensive side of losing George Springer obviously defense he's not gonna be able to do the same thing but this guy is he could probably be widely recognized as the number one DH in the game at the end of this year I would not be surprised if that's the case
0: yeah that's very possible you know All, the other DHs are kind Nelson of getting Cruz, old
1: JD Martinez
0: and Nelson Cruz is 40 Ozuna uh is an outfielder as mm-hmm. of now um which could change. Should change. Should change uh, after this year. But my player to watch uh, is a guy who we sort of highlighted in the awards recap, Christian Javier. Uh, So he finished third in the 2020 Rookie of the Year vote. Uh, He put up a 3.48 ERA, 129 ERA+, and a 2.94 expected ERA, in 54 and a third innings pitched, pitch. Uh, his expected WOBA against and his expected ERA were in the 90th percentile. And uh, Javier's pop-up rate uh, over was over double the percentage of the MLB average. So he got a lot of weak contact up in the air. And Javier... And this likely has to do with his fastball being in his fastball spin rate being in the 68th percentile, despite its velocity being only in the 39th percentile. So, you know, he a lot of revolutions behind the ball. It's staying up in the air a lot more. It's very deceptive. So guys are getting under it. And against his slider, you know, his fastball was good, but his slider hitters slugged 0.75 against his slider, so definitely a weapon that Javier uh, had to use last year, and in nine and a third playoff innings, he allowed three runs and struck out 13 batters, so Javier is a guy you can probably rely on having a good year last year, had good results, had good peripherals, and, you know, will be, you know, they won't have Verlander this year, but, you know, Javier, Valdez, uh, Granke, and... There might be another guy in there that's... It's know. our guy. Oh, yeah. Jose Urquidy in there are, you know, decent guys that can make up for that.
1: So now I get into my question. Uh, I think you kind of already answered it, but who will be this team's Cy Young Award winner?
0: Um, yeah, the team's Cy Young Award winner? Um, hmm. I mean, I'm not... Feels I like I just set you up. Yeah, it. you did set me up, but... I mean there are other good pitchers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll yeah, I'll stay I'll I'll stick with Javier. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll say Christian Javier. Uh my oh yeah, I pretty much had the same question. <laughs> Who will lead the Astros in pitcher B war?
1: Might as well. Um So I mean what? We got grinky we got Valdez, we got Javier. I'm gonna say Framber Valdez.
0: Framber Valdez. Yeah. He had a very good postseason.
1: He had a great po so did Javier, but Valdez. You know, he he. I'm, I think the thing with Javier is they might just like throw him around as a starter sometimes as a reliever, uh-huh. and that's kind of probably gonna take away from some from some pitcher war. Uh Valdez, I think, will stay there from the jump. He's a he's a good lefty. You know, he gets you outs. Uh, kind of similar boat to Marco Gonzalez. His strikeout numbers weren't, you know, weren't mind blowing, but they were they were kind of average. Uh-huh. Um, but I think Framber Ram- Ram- Valdez will be able to. Lead the team in pitcher B-War.
0: Yeah, they're both really good You're probably uh, gonna young pitchers. War. Yeah, I mean, like, it's... Because, I don't know, I, I just wanted to specify one year. Because, like, B-War and F-War just, they differentiate a lot uh, because of what they value. So, you know, the B-War relies mostly on, like, ERA+. Plus. Yeah. F war relies mostly on Strikeouts the, and Yeah, FIP and maybe Yeah. A lot of peripherals, so but you know, both have their benefits. But anyway, on to the Oakland Athletics. Uh, they are coming off they're the uh, they're the ALS champions of twenty twenty. They're coming off a thirty six and twenty-four season and they got eliminated in the ALDS by the Houston Astros. Uh, They lost their closer, Liam Hendricks, their shortstop, Marcus Simeon, uh, one of their outfielders, Robbie Grossman, one of their relievers, Joaquin Soria, and they lost Chris Davis of the K-Variety. And they added Trevor Rosenthal, Mitch Moreland, and Elvis Andrews. So on to the players to watch.
1: I'm going to be looking at a reliever who I think is going to step up in the absence of Liam Hendricks. Whether or not they actually put Trevor Rosenthal at closer, I think that my eyes are going to be on J.B. Wendelkin. Uh, he had roughly the same ERA plus as Liam Hendricks. He had a 1.8 ERA. And he had just about the same innings pitched. Yeah. So, other than outside of strikeouts and walks, which he, is, he had four walks per nine, so that's definitely something he needs to work on a little bit. Um, Virtually everything on his baseball savant page was in at least the 75th percentile last year, Mm -hmm. Uh, and he went very far under the radar because the A's just had a lot of very good relievers that performed last year. J.B. Wendelkin was kind of lost in the sauce there, and with Hendricks out, I think that he's a guy that's going to take a step up and Mm -hmm. lead that bullpen to even more greatness in 2021.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned all the great relievers in the athletics bullpen. Uh, one of them last year was Jake Diekman.
1: Yeah, he had like a one earned run against or something like that. Right? Yeah, w-
0: he allowed one earned run in 21 and a third innings pitched. Uh, also, his expected stats were way up there as well. His expected WOBA against and his expected ERA were in the 95th percentile. Um, somehow, someway, he increased his ground ball percentage from 48.0% to 62.5%. Nice. And he had a line drive percentage less than half of the major league average. So, you know, they're not making contact a lot, but when they are, they're not really, you know, hitting hard line drives I- either. Um, you know, he had over 13 strikeouts per nine and, you know, when they're not, when they're making contact, it's not that great anyway. And he allowed two runs, uh, in four and two thirds innings his pitch in the playoffs. So kind of, kind of carried over. Um, and also a a guy that i'm not you know focusing on but i feel like should be mentioned sean murphy he he had a great rookie catcher campaign last year um he's a guy to look out for i think i looked it up among catchers with 140 played appearances i think he was second in the al in weighted runs created plus among catchers so he's a very good offensive catcher to uh, look out for on the A's, and now we get to questions.
1: Yeah. Um, the absence of which player will hurt the team more, Liam Hendricks or Marcus Simeon?
0: Um, that's a good question because, I mean, Simeon was extremely impact impactful even in, in a down year. In well, definitely in twenty nineteen. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to measure that because. Uh, like, who,
1: like, if you're watching the A's next year, out of those two players, who do you think you'll be looking at and being like, ooh, I wish they had that guy still more?
0: Yeah, because, I mean, I remember when the A's, you know, when uh, or when Blake Trinan was struggling after that amazing 2018, uh, immediately Hendricks was just right in there. They might be able to do that with another closer. And they have,
1: like, three different options
0: for that. It could be yeah. Trevino.
1: Think, uh, it could be Rosenthal, it could be Diekman, it could be Wendelk, it could be four different options.
0: Yeah, there's a ton of guys that can Petit. slot in there. Not saying they'll be as good as Hendricks, but... Probably not. I don't think Elvis Andrews is going to be as good as Simeon would be, especially in a full season. So, yeah, I guess I'll say Marcus Simeon's absence yeah. will be felt the most. That's fair. Um, I probably
1: would have said the same thing.
0: Yeah, uh, even though, like, Hendricks is, a, is better for his position... A's can do a lot more with their, uh, relievers. So, yeah. So, ne- that's the, uh... That's you need the, to ask me my, my uh,
1: question. Oh,
0: oh, right. That's true. Um, who will lead the athletics in saves? ah uh-huh. I'm gonna stick to my guns and say J.B. Wendelkin. J.B. Wendelkin. Yeah. There we... There we go. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was kind of... I feel like he was the setup man last year. Diekman was more used probably for lefties, if I had to imagine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Wendelkin's probably more versatile I, think, I think the I
1: think the other guy that has the best chance is Rosenthal.
0: That's right, yeah, Rosenthal in there. Because he already has that closer experience, too. Exactly. Even, even if it was a long time ago, he does have that experience. So, yeah, that was the American League West. Uh, now on to the great American League Central, where we'll start at the bottom again with the... Detroit Tigers uh they're coming off a 23 and 35 season
1: by the Uh, way they were like one game out of the playoffs at one point in early September yeah
0: they were like fighting for the eighth seed yeah yeah like yeah it was them and like the Orioles and the the, and the Blue Jays and eventually probably the Yankees (laughs) just (laughs) well I think the
1: Tigers were out by the time the Yankees were down there
0: yeah, but they were yeah they were competitive until like the last fifteen games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost C J. Cron and Ivan Nova, which aren't huge losses. And... I mean, C J.
1: Cron left mid season.
0: Yeah, they they did. So I guess they already lost him before before the off season. And they added Robbie Grossman, uh, Wilson Ramos, Renato Nunez, Nomar Mazara, and Julio Teran. So, some crossover going on. Mm-hmm. So, what are we looking at with the Tigers?
1: They added a bunch of people. I don't know if any of these people can have long-term success on the team. But one guy that I'm going to be looking at is Robbie Grossman. Yeah. Um, he had himself quite the slugfest in 2020, unlike anything he had ever seen before. His ISO, his isolated, his isolated power, went from a 107 in 2019 to 241 in 2020. That is a pretty big difference and it actually uh it had the he had the highest year-to-year change in iso in the american league last year wow yeah
0: that's (laughs) that's pretty wild that's right um yeah like when i was looking at the a's roster i was like oh robbie grossman had a good year and then i clicked on his page and it's like oh he's on the tigers now yeah like that's a guy who you know his presence might be uh missed from Mm -hmm. the a's as well but yeah a very good year last year. A guy I'm looking at, uh, a shortstop by the name of Willie Castro. Yeah. He uh, got rookie of the
1: year votes last year.
0: He did, yeah. In, uh, in 2020, in his age 23 season in 36 games, he hit 349 with a 150 OPS plus and 150 weighted runs created plus. Uh, his expected batting average as well was very good in the 93rd percentile, and his expected Woba was in the 74th percentile. And along with that, his sprint speed was in the 84th percentile, so a very fast gentleman as well. And although he did not steal a base for the Tigers in 2020, he stole 15-plus bases in all five of his full seasons in the minors when he was uh, when he was in the minors. So Willie Castro, a guy to look for, a guy that's going to be Running around the bases with some maturity, uh, you know. Once he matures, he'll probably develop into a good base dealer because of his speed, and uh, yeah, like a good, good spark plug, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. So my question: the Tigers, obviously, you know, I mentioned a lot of these guys didn't. I didn't really see him having long-term success on the team. But one guy who we're expecting long-term success from is Casey Mize. Yeah. So my question: over or under 100 ERA plus for Casey Mize?
0: Casey Mize um what might be preventing that is he is doesn't the league uh the um yeah the league and also he doesn't have the best defense behind him mm-hmm. as well which might uh, affect him but I mean, I mean if we're talking errors that doesn't go into his ERA but you know like but a, yeah I get it like some guys are gonna reach a ball that other guys uh, won't be but yeah um, I'll still say above a hundred for Casey Mize this year. I think he takes a step up, he'll have a full season, be able to figure some kinks out. Um yeah, I mean he's especially
1: a- if the ball I mean, I know Rob Manfred talked about deadening the baseball this year, which is very suspicious considering he denied, denied, denied the fact that the ball yeah. was juiced for so long. Yeah. So, but if, you know, if the game continues to be as offense heavy as it's been, it's not going to be very difficult for him to have 100 ERA plus. It's basically just like have a four two six ERA and you're yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it, you know, if it deadens again, then it is going to be a little more challenging for him.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I don't think he'll have a spectacular season, but yeah, above 100, I think it could happen. Um, my guy is, or my question is not based on a, a young, a young member of the team this is really just for for legacy so in 2019 in 2019 Miguel Cabrera got 139 hits and 12 home runs so keep those numbers in mind because he needs 134 hits to get to 3,000 hits and 13 home runs to get to 500 home runs so in 2021 will he get both milestones one or neither I think he gets one one and it's the home runs the home runs yeah that seems more believable yeah 134 hits might be hard for him to uh, to get to. 13
1: home runs, even in a big ballpark, and a potentially dead in baseball, I think he can pop out 13. Yeah. It, that's assuming he stays healthy for the whole year, though, and I don't think that's a guarantee.
0: Yeah, because also with some of those guys, once once they're closing in on those milestones, they're just uppercutting the bo- uppercutting on the ball, just yeah. trying to lift everything out of yeah. the ballpark. So yeah, that seems pretty believable. But yeah, that's
1: probably going to be the last like of the major milestones for him. Those two.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: that's kind of the stage of his career that he's in. We're just, you know, number watching on the on the count stats.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like yeah, he's not going to be getting any of the single season marks. No. Uh, anytime soon. But yeah,
1: he's uh that that part of his career is over. He's got the triple crown, which was uh, like his fifth best offensive season. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, under 1000 OPS. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh,
1: 2013 was significantly better.
0: It was. It is true. It
1: wasn't even a. It wasn't even a competition. <laughs> yeah. Chris Davis had to ruin it by hitting 53 home runs out of nowhere.
0: Right, right. Chris Davis. Yeah. <laughs> um.
1: Not to be confused with Karis Davis that hit 48 home runs. Yeah. None. No, no, and it's a different guy.
0: And contributed. You know, it wasn't the only thing, but he topped J.D. Martinez in home runs. Yeah, he,
1: he robbed J.D. Martinez. I mean, he wouldn't have won it anyway. Yeah. But. He was mm-hmm. standing in his way.
0: Yeah, exactly. So now, on to the Kansas City Royals, who we uh, prefaced a little bit before the uh, before we got into this. So, uh, they are coming off a 26-34 season. They added Andrew Benintendi, Mike Miner, Carlos, uh, Carlos Santana, and Hanser Alberto. Uh, they didn't really lose anybody notable either. Um. So, <clears throat> what are we? Uh, what are we looking at okay. in terms of players? I
1: got two players. There we go. That I'm looking for on this team. Shout out to Justin Havens, the producer for Starting Nine. I wanted to use this exact statistic, but he tweeted it out yesterday, two days ago. If you're listening to this, the day we, we dropped this pod, I'm talking about Adalberto Alberto Mondesi. Ah. I don't know if you saw this tweet, but I he tweeted the stat. It was the exact stat I wanted to use for this segment, but I was then I was like, oh. I guess I gotta credit him now because <laughs> I can't just I can't just seem like I copied him. Yeah. So, Alberto Monesi had a fourteen weighted runs created plus last season up until uh, start uh, up until September third. Uh, that was the worst among qualifiers, and after that date, from September fourth on, he had the he was tied for the third highest weighted runs created plus in the majors with two hundred and two. The only people above him were Freddie Freeman and. Jose Ramirez. Wow. Yeah, he had such a weird year.
0: That's pretty wild. And, yeah, you're... And my...
1: Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go go ahead. My second player is a relief pitcher that I think is flying way under the radars. One of the better relief pitchers in the game, that is Scott Barlow. Scott Barlow had one particular bad outing last year where he gave up three earned runs in a third of an inning. Mm-hmm. If And he had a 420 ERA on the season. Uh, that's the weed number. Yeah. Yeah. If you take that one bad outing out, and I know I know it's cheap to to be like if you, if you take out all the outings where he did bad, he was actually really good. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's one third of an inning. All
0: yeah, right? it's exactly. A, like
1: in the grand scheme of things, I know it's, it's one like out. Four you know, batters. One outing is one outing is one outing, but it's you know, it's one third of an inning. If you take out that one single bad inning, he had a three three nine ERA last season, and that's not that's not a fluke because over the last two seasons, he is a three point four two FIP with 11.75 strikeouts per nine innings. There we go. So Scott Barlow is someone who is flying onto my radar while he flies under everyone else's, and I'm expecting him to have a breakout year in 2021.
0: Yeah, in terms of Royals, I, uh, I didn't go too in-depth. I'm just looking at a guy uh, who's probably going to improve this year, had a good rookie campaign last year, Brady Singer. Uh, he led among rookies in strikeouts last year. And he finished eighth in the Rookie of the Year vote. And in his age twenty-three season, which was twenty twenty, he put up a four point zero six ERA, four point zero eight FIP, one hundred thirteen ERA plus, and a three point nine eight expected ERA. So you know, not too analytical, but a guy to watch because he's he was a pretty good, pretty somewhat highly touted prospect. He was. He
1: was. He was one of the best draft prospects. Like people were talking about him as like a potential one one. Uh, and ended up falling
0: yeah yeah I mean out of Florida mm -hmm. yeah he's he's a guy to look for like he's probably going to be a a very good pitcher and you know he's only 24 so only getting better I mean can't can't go too analytical there but yeah he will probably be improving so on to questions
1: yeah uh, i just like to say the royals are a very very intriguing team to me i think that this team could surprise a lot of people in 2021 mm-hmm. and i'm not saying they're going to win the division i'm not saying they're going go to go to the playoffs but they could they could max out at like 75 to 80 wins i really do yeah. think they could do so
0: yeah it, it, i mean it's not a it's not implausible um 26 out of 60 times 162. I mean, yeah, they were on pace for seventy last year, and they made some improvements.
1: Yeah, so speaking of those improvements, which of which of these uh, offseason acquisitions will have a better impact on the team in twenty twenty one? Carlos Santana or Andrew Benintendi?
0: That's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, both uh, both have had their, their shine. Andrew Benintendi is uh, definitely younger, Much younger and has has been.
1: Carlos Santana had one of my favorite slash lines last year. <laughs> one ninety nine, three forty nine, three fifty.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know the what where Kaufman ranks in terms of like pitchers park or hitters it's, park. It's definitely
1: more of a pitchers park than a hitters park.
0: Yeah, and I feel like Santana relies more on power. Walks in power. Walks in power. Andrew Benintendi is able to, you know, be more of a higher average guy when he's at his best. So I'll just say, Andrew Benintendi. Also, he's got a lot to prove this year. Yeah. Um. After getting traded for not very much, you know, being also being a guy that came up really high and hasn't really reached expectations, he might be able to reach expectations in 2021. My question uh, is about one of your players to watch, Adalberto Adalberto Mondesi. Yeah. Uh, he had a league leading twenty four stolen bases last season, which was a sixty five stolen base pace. Huh. Will he have over or under fifty four point five wow. stolen bases in twenty twenty one?
1: I'll slam the over on that. Alright. If I thought you were gonna say sixty or sixty five. Yeah. I, I will take that over. You'll take Yeah. Yeah,
0: fifty five or more. Especially
1: if Carlos Santana and Andrew Benatendi are gonna be behind him in the lineup this time. Like that is guys that are much bigger threats to drive him in and if he's in scoring position you know, that's going to be a bigger incentive for him to get in scoring position. So huh. I think yeah. he's going to be I think he's going to be running more if anything.
0: Yeah, I mean I. We haven't seen. I think I looked at. We haven't seen more than, uh, fifty sin, in a season since Jonathan like, VR since like twenty. It was twenty eighteen or twenty uh, seventeen. Which like, if it's twenty eighteen, that's not saying much. Because mm-hmm. uh, we've only seen one full season since then. But yeah. Uh, Alberto, Alberto Mondesi watch out for him uh, very fast very fast individual uh, so now on to the playoff teams um, it's weird because baseball reference had the White Sox ranked ahead of the Indians but I, I went based on seeding so I'm going with the White Sox that's what first. I did too But um,
1: well, which is weird because we didn't do that last week with the Cardinals and the yeah. who, who was it the Reds Yeah.
0: Reds yeah uh, they're coming off a thirty-five and twenty-five season. They lost Alex Colome and James McCann, and they added Lance Lynn and Liam Hendricks. So, what player are you watching with the White Sox in twenty twenty-one? You
1: know which White Sox player I'm watching. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't you didn't think I'd pick him, did you? I did. I I don't I know. I picked him. There we go. I picked him. You picked him last year. <laughs> he was a meme for us all of last season, and I am going to go with the resurgence of Dylan Cease Yes. in 2020. He produced the only season in baseball history with a 110 ERA+, plus, a 6.2-plus FIP, and at least 35 innings pitched throughout the season. That is Dylan Cease. Wait.
0: There we go. You need you need the how about that button pulled out for for Dylan Cease. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's he obviously has a
1: significant walk issue. If he can get it fixed, uh, that's going to add a lot of depth to a rotation that already looks very promising. You know, I think Giolito yeah. is a Cy Young candidate. Dallas Keuchel is, is in his ground balls. I mean, he's always been a ground ball pitcher, but he's in his you know he's in his Yankee CC Sabathia portion of his career. Uh, Lance Lynn just came over. So if Dylan Cease can fix the walks, you're looking at a lot of depth in that rotation.
0: Yeah, it was weird last year too because his strikeouts went significantly down. Like, we Mm -hmm. need him to be able to get that up. But, oh yeah, and thinking about Cease and a couple of other guys I came up with a new term that we might be able to use. uh, For guys that, for pitchers that have... Much worse expected much stats. Much worse
1: peripherals than what their ERA suggests. And
0: for hitters that have much better peripherals than um, are much better peripherals than what's actually going on on the field, volcanoes because they're ready to blow. Ah, yeah. I'm. I want to call when we get into the season. I might be referencing some volcanoes. Love it. Going on.
1: Dol- Dylan Cease. is the.
0: He's the ultimate volcano. Yeah. Until proven, until proven otherwise. Yeah. Uh but but yeah, that's what uh that's what I have. That's that's what I've brought in the past week. Don't see this is our Mount St. Helens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the he's the Mount St. Helens of, of volcanoes. For
1: <laughs> sure.
0: So uh a guy I'm looking at also a pitcher coming out of the bullpen though. Uh a there's guy, so many
1: options for that.
0: Yeah. Evan Marshall. So Evan Marshall, he had he has had a pretty interesting career. Uh, he had a good rookie year in 2014, then kind of fluttered around the league from 2015 to 2018. Had a good 2019, but his peripherals weren't great. And then in 2020, he fixed that. He cut his FIP by more than half. Went from, His FIP went from 4.30 to 2.04. Uh, and he more than doubled his strikeout-to-walk ratio. It went from 1.7 in 2019 to 4.3 in 2020 his expected era went from 4.06 to 2.36 and his expected woba against dropped 81 points so his peripherals are looking amazing along with his actual results which were very good as well strikeout percentage increased 13.7 percent in terms of percentage points not like you know because if we're if we're talking about how we increased 13.7%. If it was 2% over 1%, it wouldn't be 100% more. It would just be 1% more. That's what we're referencing. And his walk percentage dropped 4%. And he absolutely found gold in his curveball, Evan Marshall did. Uh, he increased his usage of it from 16.7% to 31.6%, and hitters slugged 056 off of that curveball slugged 056 off of it not just hit 056 off of it and he had a 58.5 percent swing and miss rate on that curveball which was an improvement from when hitters slugged 409 off of it with a 37.8 percent swing and miss rate on his curveball in 2019 so evan marshall extremely good reliever uh extremely good curveball and Look for him to have a fantastic 162-game season in 2021. So now on to questions.
1: Yeah. What is more likely, Tim Anderson winning the batting title or anyone on the White Sox, Abreu, Jimenez, Robert, Adam Eaton, winning (laughs) the home run title?
0: Winning the home run title. All right. This is a good, uh, what's more likely, um, I mean, Abreu was, I think, three away from the— From Voight. I think from, it was four away. Yeah. I think Voight had
1: 23, and Abreu had 19.
0: Okay, four away. I mean, yeah, Anderson's a free swinger. He had over 320 last year. And he won the batting title in 2019. He had
1: 335.
0: Uh, and I guess Jimenez is kind of a good candidate. That's
1: it. My, or, the way I wrote it was Eloy Jimenez winning the home run title, but I decided I'd just, I'd just open it up to anybody on the team.
0: Yeah, I'll say Anderson more likely to win the batting title Fair again. Enough. Fair enough. Just because he he's such a free swinger, and he's done it before, and he, yeah, exactly, he's done it before. Uh, my question: So, Luis Robert had a B WAR of a of four point nine on a one hundred sixty two game pace last year, and a four point six F WAR uh, on that one hundred sixty two game pace. Will he accumulate? A five-win season on at least one of the websites in 2021.
1: I do think so. Uh, yeah. I don't think we really saw like a like a particular offensive or defensive stretch from Luis Robert during the season where it's like, okay, this guy is the man. Like from yeah. the from the jump, we all kind of knew that Kyle Lewis was going to be handed the the rookie of the year award. Yeah. And Luis Robert went through a major slump through September, so I don't think we really have seen we really saw an, a definitive os- offensive peak. In Luis Robert in 2020, mm-hmm. and if he can just avoid a, a very big slump like he had, I, don't, I see no reason why he can't get to five wins. Yeah, and if he can get that offensive peak, yeah, which I think is very possible because he's an exit velocity machine.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, came into came into last season the number three prospect. In I baseball. think his
1: first like batted the first pitch he ever saw in his career was a batted ball with an exit velocity of like 105.8. Yeah,
0: he's. He hits the ball hard. I it's, remember
1: I, I discussed, like, after the first weekend of baseball, I was like, Luis Robert has three hits. The lowest exit velocity on them is like 102.7.
0: Yeah, he, as long as he makes contact, a very, going. very good hitter. So, yeah, he's got yeah, definitely a guy to look out for because he was not, like, one of the main White Sox people were talking about last year, mm-hmm. but he could turn in, into that guy this year. Uh, so yeah now on to the, the Cleveland baseball team the Cleveland baseball team making a farewell tour with their uh, current name in 2021 ideally
1: this is their last season not being named the naps again
0: yep yeah I mean it's been a uh it's been over a hundred years it's been a it'll be it'll have been a 108 year drought the biggest I un- hey, we, baseball we know a lot of things <laughs> about baseball
1: in baseball about 108 year droughts yeah. Yeah, cause Especially involving the Indians.
0: Because it would be 2022 to 1914, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's, you know, it's the biggest 108-year drought I could think of. In baseball. In baseball. With
1: the Cleveland franchise being involved in, in the ending of it.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, we're, we're hoping the Naps are coming in, in in 2022. They are coming off of a 35-25 and 25 season. Uh, they lost... Francisco Lindor, Carlos Carrasco, Brad Hand, and Carlos Santana. Uh, They added Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, and Eddie Rosario. Uh, A couple of Rosarios there. So the Angels added both the Iglesiases, and the baseball team added both the
1: Rosarios.
0: That's correct.
1: That's correct. So what player are you looking at? So my baseball team player is Bobby Bradley. This is a prospect... Who has been in the minors for quite a while. He's going into, I believe, his age twenty-six season. And he's expected to break uh, to break the twenty-six man roster out of camp. And I really hope he does. us uh, on MLB.com he's projected to be the starting first baseman. And he had he has a five oh four slugging percentage in the minors with a two fifty ISO in two thousand seven hundred and fifty six plate appearances. He's going to his age twenty five season, I'm sorry, not twenty six. Uh, this team is kind of in a weird position where no one's really sure what their goals are, Mm -hmm. but Bobby Bradley is a guy who I I expect to come up and make an impact this season.
0: Uh, what, what position was he? First baseman?
1: Yeah. Carlos Santana's gone. Insert Bobby Bradley.
0: Yeah. There we go. Uh, a guy I'm looking at, I kind of wanted to uh, address him because he's a guy that really proved me wrong last year. I remember in, uh... When we were talking about predictions, I had the Indians in the yeah I had the Indians in third in the AL Central with the White Sox and Twins above them, and I was saying like, you know their their starting pitching depth is not the same. I don't really trust Zach Plesac to be what he was last year. I was not impressed with his peripherals, but. He proved me wrong last year. He put up a two point. He had
1: one big mistake last year.
0: He had one big. He had, mi- he, had he had
1: one bad outing, and it wasn't on the <laughs> baseball
0: field. Yeah, he, yeah, <laughs> he kept it. He kept it off the field, but yeah, he had a pretty bad outing, you know, and really like we really mean the term outing here, yeah. not <laughs> yeah. It was uh yeah it was out it was a bad outing, and he he proved me wrong last year. Put up a two point two eight ERA. 3.39 FIP, 201 ERA plus, meaning he was 101% better than the average pitcher, and a 3.38 expected ERA in 55 and 13rd innings pitched. His strikeout percentage increased by 8.9% and his walk per, uh, walks per nine or no walk percentage was brought down by 5.5%. His he brought down his expected ERA by over two percent Runs and he brought down his expected woba against by 79 points. His in, he increased his whiff rate from 21.7% to 29.8%. Pretty much from 20 to 30, uh, if you want to round down and up. And hitters went from slugging 382 off his slider in 2019 to slugging 103 off of it in 2020. And he struck out 26 batters off of the slider in 2020 as opposed to f- only 15 in 2019. And that was, a, that was a full season. where And he still struck out 11 more batters off of his slider. So that's Zach Plesak, a very valuable asset in that rotation. Should expect a full season out of him, unlike last year, for uh, whatever reason. So now on to our questions for Cleveland.
1: So the baseball team lost Carlos Carrasco, like you mentioned, but they have a reputation of being a pitching factory where they could just develop starting pitcher after starting pitcher after starting pitcher that goes out and performs.
0: Who do you see as being next in line? Next in – would you consider McKenzie as waiting in line? I mean, he hasn't played a full season yet, so I'll count it. Yeah, because – I mean, There's one particular name I was hoping you'd address. Um, <laughs> what would be that guy? Because I'm probably just blanking on him.
1: Uh, he was traded from the Padres.
0: Uh, Cal Quantrill
1: Close.
0: Um, traded from the – Logan Allen. Oh, Logan Allen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wrong no, Padres I'll, I'll, trade. I'll accept
1: I'll accept McKenzie, though. That's a, that's a fair point because he hasn't pitched a full season yet. I mean, if he pitched the same amount of innings in 2019, you're still – you know, he's still, by technicality, a rookie. So I'll count Tristan McKenzie if that's what you want to go yeah, with.
0: I would, yeah, I would – yeah, I would – I expect more out of McKenzie than I do Logan Allen. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like, he he looks very good out there. I think he had, like, over 10 strikeouts per nine. Mm-hmm. Low walk rate, too, which is great. Uh, yeah, I would expect McKenzie to be that guy. Um, My question is about, you know, the star of Cleveland, you know, or I guess one of the stars of Cleveland right now. Uh, will Shane Bieber have over or under... Two hundred ninety nine point five strikeouts in twenty twenty one. Tough, tough to get there, but a the guy. That is a tough question. Yeah.
1: Is Tito going to be taken over? As is he still going to be manager at the start of the season? Um. Because I know he was having health issues and he was absent for parts, if not most of twenty twenty. Because I do think manager matters.
0: Yeah, it is. That's a that's a good point. Because would Francona be letting him go more or less? I think
1: Francona would be letting him go more. Yeah. Because if they have a sitting manager that's not Francona, like the front office and the and you know the analytics department is probably going to be taking over, and I think that leads to less innings pitch for Shane Bieber. Mm-hmm. So, I think if Terry Francona is managing beyond the month of, uh, uh beyond the month of April, so like starting on in May. Yes, if not, no.
0: Okay, Yeah. there we go. All right. It's like a Paul Goldschmidt a question. A Paul Goldschmidt. The, yeah, the Goldschmidt decider. Yeah. Uh, yeah, That we're wondering if he's going to have a 300 strikeout season. You know, he was way on pace last year. Um, he might be able to do it this year. Uh, so now on to the American League the Central team. champions, the 10th out of 10 teams we're talking about this uh, this week. They are coming off a year where they went 36-24. and 24. They lost Eddie Rosario, Trevor May, Rich Hill, and Marwin Gonzalez, or Marwin Gonzalez and Matt Whistler, who was a...
1: Yeah, that was very valuable for them. Yeah, yeah,
0: a very valuable reliever who you pointed out uh, earlier in the offseason who...
1: Went to the Giants.
0: Went to the Giants, kind of a mistake on the Twins' end. Um, and also Sergio Romo <laughs> as well. And, really count. and uh, Jake O'Dorizzi and Tyler Clippard are both still in free agency. No, so. Tyler
1: Clippard signed, I thought. Um, he signed with the Diamondbacks.
0: He did? Yeah. I, yeah, because I went when I went to his baseball reference page, there wasn't. It doesn't update for a couple days, but he yeah. signed with the Diamondbacks. Okay, so Clip, they lost also lost Tyler Clippard and O'Dorizzi's still on the trade market. They added the twins added Andrewton Simmons, Alex and uh, Matt Shoemaker, Jay Happ, and, and they
1: re-signed Nelson Cruz.
0: They re-signed Nelson Cruz, and they also added Hansel Robles. Yeah. So they're keeping Cruz around. So uh, what player are you looking at with the Twin City baseball team?
1: Get the how about that out. All right, here we go. Luis Arias <laughs> for the Twins. He is the only player post-integration, that is since 1947, with a minimum of 250 plate appearances, which is not that much. He is almost 500, so that's double that. With a 330 average and a sub-10% walk or sub strikeout rate before their age 24 season.
0: How about that?
1: So just a to, just to review. Luis Arias, only player post-integration with a 330 batting average and a sub-10% strikeout percentage. Through their age twenty, before their age twenty-four season, minimum two hundred fifty played appearances. Yeah, that is my guy to watch.
0: So yeah, he's a uh, very good bat-to-ball skills. Um, in uh, in conclusion, from Luis Ariz, he's like their second, third baseman. Second baseman. Second baseman. Yeah. Um, my player to watch, we, uh, my player to watch. I think he's a repeat. Um, from from my end, it's just a matter of if he's healthy or not, Byron Buxton. Uh, hmm. Since 2019, I thought
1: about him because just because of his slash line last year.
0: Well, since 2019, he has an 833 OPS, 117 OPS plus, and 113 weighted runs created plus in only 126 games. And since 2019 also, he ranks 14th among all fielders in defensive wins above replacement. And since 2019 as well, he has the highest defensive wins above replacement among players with less than 150 games played, so it's mostly a matter of him staying on the field. He's a he's already a platinum glove winner, meaning he was the best fielder uh, he was the best fielder in baseball in 2017, and he's shown that he can be uh, good offensively as well. But uh, you know, he's just had trouble staying on the field, so you know. If he stays on the field, very valuable. But, you know, you're not very valuable when you're not playing. So, on to some uh, questions. All right, do we have another how about that? Oh, yeah, we
1: do. We absolutely do. Byron Buxton's 2020 season was the only season in baseball history to have at least 52 plate appearances, an OBP below 270, and an OPS plus above 120. Yeah, he had one of my favorite slash lines in the league last year: two fifty four, two sixty seven, five seventy seven, eight forty four. He walked twice. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah he he did not he did not take kindly to the free pass, but he hit a ton of homers. And I
1: mentioned I mentioned fifty two plate appearances being the minimum. He had one hundred thirty five, so he was that's not cherry picking.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's uh interesting. Uh, very good. He's a good power bat. Great. Offensive player. Yeah, he's like a poor man's uh, Andrew Jones yeah, pretty much as of now. Or even
1: like a Torrey Hunter.
0: Yeah, Tory Hunter. To a
1: degree.
0: Yeah, sort of. Um, so now on to questions. I'll yeah. uh, I'll start off with my question. All right, go ahead. So who will have the better season, Kenta Maeda or Jose Barrios? Kenta Maeda. I, I think Kenta Maeda Showed who he
1: really is last year. I mean, I don't I don't think it's going to be the same degree of success just because of the larger sample size, but, I mean, we're talking about a guy that finished a runner-up in the Cy Young. Mm-hmm. And he lost to one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen just by sample size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think Kenta Maeda is going to have the better season.
0: Yeah, and, uh, yeah, Barrios is, like, kind of the consistent guy. Mm-hmm. Maeda just, like, came out. And, like, yeah, he's now he finally has an established role yes he never really had that he was kind of he was kind of
1: flipped back and forth in la and if you remember he had a really good like first month of his career too um in la yeah when was 2016
0: 2016 like, he had
1: like a like a ones like a one zra in the first month of the season
0: yeah that it does help that he has a defined role now but uh for sure But, yeah, and uh, your Twins question. So,
1: over the last two seasons, Nelson Cruz has produced at least 160 OPS+. He is now in a new decade of his life, his age 40 season. Can he sustain a 160 OPS plus in 2021?
0: Whew. Um, Yeah, he's, what did you say, 42 season now? 40. 41? 40. 40. He's 40 now. Yes. I thought he was 40 last year.
1: I'm pretty sure he is 40 now.
0: Well, Oh yeah, he's his birthday is July first.
1: Yep, it's yeah. So, yeah, so he's going into his age forty season. He's going into his it's literally
0: age on the deadline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's going into his age forty season. Um, one sixty ops. Actually, plus.
1: a little teaser for next uh division previews episode. I'm gonna be previewing a player with another interesting birthday because I already did my previews for next week, <laughs> thinking that they were supposed to be. I thought this week we were doing the N O S, but I was wrong.
0: Yeah. What can you do? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say uh, he gets under one sixty OPS plus. Okay. It's just it's just hard to do for it's that so long. Hard to do. <laughs> and he had even yeah, if
1: even if he was like twenty nine.
0: Yeah, one sixty nine last year, one sixty eight the year before. Like, I don't know, he'll still have a fantastic season. Yeah, if
1: uh, one fifty is still really good.
0: Yeah, it's elite. That's at least a nine hundred. That's yeah, nine fifty. That's you know, top Eight in the yeah. league that's what a 150 OPS plus gets you but yeah, so that is our uh, full preview of both AL West and AL Central we talked about 10 or you talked about 11 players to look for I talked about 10 mm-hmm. uh, gave each other some questions and yeah, very good full episode of Above Replacement Radio we hope you enjoyed this one if you're uh, if you want to follow us on social media, go and follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gian to follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this preview episode for the 2021 season. And we hope to see you on Thursday where we're going to be talking about the 1998 San Diego Padres. See you then.